Welcome to Community in Arabic, a podcast show sponsored by Lipton Yellow Label. We'll be chatting with successful Arabs in the U.S. and Canada and learning about their journey and how they positively impact their community. We are your hosts, Malik Abdul Samad and Anwar Gibran. Hi, and welcome to a new episode of Community in Arabic, sponsored by Lipton Yellow Label. Uh, I'm so happy to uh, to have today uh, Alexander Hari. Uh, he's the co-founder and CEO of Zesty Z. Uh, he's a uh, Lebanese immigrant in New York, and we'd love to chat with him. Uh, hi, Alex. How are you? I'm excited to uh, excited to chat with you. So, so Alex, you're of a of a Lebanese immigrant family. Tell us a little bit more about you know your background and your family's immigration journey to the U.S. Sure, sure. Um, so, I actually was born and raised here in the United States, but um, you know I am the son of immigrants who come from Lebanon. Uh, both uh, ended up in the New York area, New York City, in the suburbs, and um, I grew up here with my two sisters. So. We went to school here, and I went to university in Ohio, uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. And every summer, you know, keeping the culture alive in our family, my mother and my father would take us back to Lebanon uh, every, you know, two years or so. Mm-hmm. So growing up, you know, the Arab culture, our Lebanese culture uh, was always around at home, the foods and flavors uh, and traditions. Um, and also, we had the benefit of being in America, too, and being exposed to kind of the culture here. So I... I'd like to say that I'm Lebanese, I'm proud to be Lebanese, uh, born in America, that has the best of both worlds. How's it growing up in a Lebanese family uh, shaped you in terms of culture and food and, uh, and you know, uh, embracing that culture? Well, I think, you know, growing up in a, in, a, in a global household, I would say, because we travel to other countries outside of it. You know, the, the Lebanese in particular and the Arab in general, there's a large diaspora. So, you know, you... <laughs> You have Lebanese all over the place, you know? Um, so traveling all over the world and then specifically traveling to Lebanon, it gives you a different perspective um, and it makes you more inclusive. It makes you understand other cultures, other foods. And so we grew up, we, we were lucky enough to grow up that way. Um, specifically, a Lebanese food, I mean, and Arabic food, I mean, it was amazing. You know, you would, you know, while kids are eating mac and cheese, there's nothing wrong with mac and cheese. You know, you're eating tabbouleh and baba ghanoush and, you know, <laughs> you know, fatah, you know so um, to be now in the food business with SDZ, I- I'm lucky to have grown up in a home where the quality of food, the flavors, the diversity was prioritized. So a little bit more about your background. So you went to school, like you said, in Cleveland, Ohio, and then you got into the corporate world. Like, you know, yeah, every yeah. immigrant family's dream is my son, work, my son works for this and that company, the biggest company of a sort in this industry. So tell us a little bit more about, about getting into the corporate world and how is that for you? Right. I wasn't a doctor. Uh, I wasn't an engineer or architect, but I made it into business, so, right? So, you know, you're okay uh, using those, you know, kind of that, that framework. Um, I, I graduated from university with a degree in business and history from Case Western Reserve University. And both of my parents were bankers, um, successful bankers. And I ended up going into finance, working for a large bank, um, and then working for an economics firm as well as a technology company in the finance space. And so I was doing that. You know, I was living in the New York lifestyle you know i was in my you know mid to late 20s 
and going out, you know, we were dating, making friends, you know, enjoying it. And it was great for a while, but uh, two things were really bubbling up inside of me. Um, I just felt there was this creative drive inside of me that wasn't being utilized. I think, you know, Lebanese and Arabs in general are very creative and entrepreneur due to the circumstances of the diaspora over the past hundred years. I mean, my grandparents and family and friends that I know, I mean, you come to a country like America with a couple dollars in your pocket, you know, or your uncle sponsors you, right? And you're going to school on your own, working part. So you learn to figure it out, right? So this entrepreneurial thing that exists within Arabs really existed within me. And I didn't feel very fulfilled working in, in finance, you know, and we, we joked about this and yeah, I'm a little stubborn, you know, just, if you're going to tell me to do something, you should have a good reason to tell me to do it. That's, you know, I, I thought to myself, what, you know, like you want me to do this, you know? So um, I think the stubbornness and the entrepreneurial drive and also the understanding that we're at an important moment in history where technology and business uh, the advancements there are tremendous. So if you look back 10, 20, 30 years ago, when our parents or the previous generation of Arab entrepreneurs came here, you know, they don't have the resources in digital marketing, technology, Zoom, like this. It wasn't there. So I, I felt that I couldn't really be fulfilled if I didn't try to do something entrepreneurial. Um, and luckily, you know, our culture uh, was a big inspiration for that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, that, that, uh, that really, uh, resonate in so many of us, uh, especially coming from, uh, from Syria, Lebanon, the Arab world, uh, uh, for us living there, it's really, uh, we grow up, uh, thinking that we want to do our own business. We want to build our own thing. And that's the mentality yeah. that we bring to the US. So, uh, so that really resonates with, with, the, with me and uh, with a lot of uh, uh, people I know. And then Zatar, tell us about this brilliant <laughs> idea. <laughs> Good. Well, I would like to share this with your audience before what Zesty is right now, and then we can go into it. So Zesty Z is a modern Mediterranean and Middle Eastern brand. Uh, we make three product lines. We have our Zatar condiments, we have a line of seasonings that are brand new and Mediterranean popcorn. Mm -hmm. Zestizi really is an inclusive brand that brings together people from the Eastern Mediterranean and the Middle East together. And we believe that food is love. Mm -hmm. I started the company with my mother and she actually is part of the business. It's not just for a photo shoot. She sits on our finance committee and leads all of the R&D. So we work very closely. And in the early days, which I'll share, she was really there on the front lines with me. So I started this company with my mother in 2017. Um, I quit my finance job. And now fast forward three years, you know, we are a national brand with Whole Foods. We're in over 600 stores nationwide. We work with the two largest food distributors uh, in the United States. And now we have three product lines. And what's interesting is that we have gotten a little bit of press because we're an innovative brand. And so the first product that we started with was the Zatha Rosette, Zatha and olive oil condiment, which nobody had ever done before. And that was the idea there. Um, I would like to, before we go into that, I would like to share, you know, what's especially driving us to is not just my personal motivation. Um, I believe that we have a responsibility, you know, those who are in business or you know, professionals who are leaders really to give back to our communities, especially the Arab communities 
Um, so older generations and younger generations are really proud and look up to you. We're inclusive. You know, I don't really play these games with, you know, which country you're from and this and that. All the cultures are beautiful. We work with people from across the spectrum here in the United States. It's really inclusive. Food is love. Yalla, come sit down at our table. We'll have a finjan shai, right? Maybe yeah. a menaish, yes. you know, something like that. Or we'll have something to eat. And really, that's the spirit of Zestizi. So I'm extremely proud of that. And I think so far in our short existence, we have made members in our community, especially uh, with what's going on in the world, proud. So I just want to make that very clear for everybody listening um, to our story. So, so Alex, we, we, we love the mission and we love the thought behind it. Um, you know, when did the idea like really start in terms of just like, were you guys just having a conversation and then it came up and did you think, you know, just... This is, you know, Zata is not a very well-known thing in the U.S. It's going to be really hard, the financial feasibility of it. Like, did, did you early on believe in that idea or did you want to, like, explore it step by step and go about it? I love food, always love grocery. It was natural, you know. I, I was lucky enough to grow up in a home where I understood foods and flavors. Seeing what happened with Americans and others with hummus and yogurt over the past 15 years with some brands like Chobani and others, was almost like, like completely like, wait a second. They like hummus? Like, you know, it's like, wait a second. They're selling hummus in the grocery store? Like your mom's not making it, your teta, your dad's not, right? You know? And so once I had that realization uh, while I was in college, and I think so many of us in our generation as well, it's like, wow, they're selling hummus. You know, once I saw pantry foods like that and cultural staples like that being sold, I knew anything was possible. And obviously in every, you know, you know, Lebanese house and Arabi house, you have hummus, you have lebni, you have, um, you know, zata and you have oil. I mean, it's everywhere, you know, and, and, you know, you know, pita bread. So I said, well, if two of the three in olive oil, you can already consider popular. So three of the four are popular. Why not zata? And then why not other things? So I studied the Zatar market and I realized that, you know, there really wasn't a very a modern brand. You know, all the legacy brands are good brands, but they're very outdated in their packaging. They're not as clean label as they could be. They're in, uh, you know, the specialty store in a far part of town, but not easily accessible when I was living in New York, you know, and working in finance. And then also I thought to myself, well, chefs and restaurants and publications like Bon Appetit, New York Times are talking about Zaza. Well, maybe there's something here. Why don't I try to sell Zaza? So I was like, okay, selling Zaza works. But then I was like, so many people are selling Zaza. Why nobody in the history of Zaza going back thousands of years has ever sold Zaza or Zaytnik? Zaza and olive oil. Why? Like, why has that not happened? I couldn't figure it out. And I said, well, you know, if I'm going to do something, let's be innovative, let's be modern, let's create a new brand, let's create an experience, and let's start with this product. And so that was the realization. I did, so to answer your, to finish up answering your question, I did some light research, but I looked at trends, you know, I looked at where Zata was available, and I saw the press that it was starting to get. And that's when I decided to start ZestyZ. Actually, the original name for ZestyZ was ZestyZata. And then we chopped it down to ZestyZ. It's a great idea and, and it's delicious. Thank you. Uh, 
now, I mean, we all know grinding and starting a company sure. from, from scratch, uh, it's really challenging. Uh, uh, uphill battle. Uh, you need to to figure out a lot of stuff. Tell us about sure. the beginning of sure, sure. of kind of starting the company in a formal way yeah. uh, and sure. moving forward. Once I had this idea, right? You know, it's a great idea, but I think a lot of entrepreneurs fail after that step. You know, you call them entrepreneurs, or they're always talking about an idea. It's like, yalla, let's go, man! Like, come on, let's do this. Are we gonna <laughs> sit around here and just, you know? mess around or we're going to do something. So <laughs> while I was working in finance, I started researching, right? So I had this idea. I was like, I don't want to be like everybody else. Again, stubborn, contrarian. Yalla, Zatar was it. You know, it's going to be great. Mom, let me get your recipe. She was like, I need a business plan. Okay. And so I started to develop one. And, you know, what I quickly realized is, okay, so I need to make this myself. So how do you create any food product? So I researched, you know, Google University was my best friend. I researched everything. And, you know, you had, the first step was getting a food license, a food processing license in New York. So I looked up the test. I signed up, not even knowing what it is. And I started studying on my lunch breaks at work. I have one monitor, you know, with, you know, the financial markets on one screen and then the other you know, these food questions, you know, what temperature and, you know, what's the proper procedure for this and first aid, right? So I'm studying this exam. I take the exam. I, I go during a lunch break up to the Upper West Side. I take the exam. I pass it. I get that. And then I start looking for space to, uh, to manufacture. At the time in Brooklyn, um, there was a new operation called Brooklyn Food Works where you could rent commercial kitchen space. So I applied um, and I told them my idea and I had a, a, you know, a light one pager, nothing fancy. So they invited me down. So I walked in and it was still being renovated, but I pitched them my idea. They thought I was crazy, but they all knew Zata and loved it. And so they said, wow, you can really like do something with this. Um, okay, we'll accept you. So it was an incubator for about 10 brands. We were one of the, we were one of the first 10 to be included in this accelerator. So now we had a location to manufacture that was safe, hygienic, and appropriate. And so then it was a matter of, it's up to you. So I got mom, you know, and I asked her how she wrote sesame seeds, what's the recipe, you know, sourcing all your ingredients from jars to labels. You know, you, you just really have to figure it out. And it's a lot of Google, a lot of asking, a lot of trial and failure. But I was relentless. I was relentless. You have to be. It's like... You have to, no mercy. There was no mercy. Like I would be sending emails, doing work while at work, you know, and I figured it all out. I mean, the short, I could talk to you for hours about every single step of the packaging to it. But I eventually got to the point where we were able to source enough ingredients to make 50 jars of Zata, you know, using these huge mixing machines. And I figured out a way to keep, you know, the olive oil cool so it doesn't heat. And it's complicated. It's complicated. We don't, the olive oil separated, you know, we don't use artificial ingredients to keep it together like peanut butter, like Skippy. So you figure this out and you get the taste great. So now you have to sell it. So that was the first six months. So then in the beginning of 2017, mom and I got the recipe uh, done. We would make 50 jars on nights and weekends. And I, it would be my responsibility to find a place to sell it. So again, I will go back to Google. I looked up the independent 
food stores. I had some mentors in this accelerator. So I located about 25 stores. I said, okay, if I get into 25 stores, we'll see if this works. So what did I do? Took this off out and the labels are terrible. The first ones, you look back on it, it's like, oof, yellow teeth. Like you look back, it's, it's like so bad. Like, oh my God, who let this out? You know? But uh, we had the labels and I would get a little green bag. Um, I would put some pita chips in there, a spoon, a recipe card, and my sales sheet. And I would go to each of these stores in the heat, in the heat of the, in 2017, in the summer, you're on the subway. I have a blue Ikea bag. You have, you know, olive oil is heavy, right? So these heavy jars, you know, walking with me to five stores each day. Hi, can I talk to your manager? I have an incredible product. I think you would make your customers happy and add value because our flavors are Mediterranean, Middle Eastern. Have you ever heard of Zata? Oh, yes, I've heard of Zata. Well, this is a Zatar, you know, condiment and spread, you know, it's easier to use and more flavorful than regular Zata. I'd like to give you a case and come back and do a demonstration. If the product sells, would you carry the product on a regular basis? Yes. And um, I did that for three months over the summer and eventually got in, was doing demonstrations, talking to people, selling everything on the fly, everything learning, you know. What do I put? The first question was, right, when you're doing a demonstration in these little stores in Brooklyn, right? Customers are coming in. You have to smile. Hey, you know, yeah. want a new Mediterranean snack? You know, um, I was serving it on cubes of cheddar cheese with a toothpick, pouring the zaza on top of it. Now I look back on it now. Like, why, did I, why did I do that? <laughs> you know? Um, we eventually switched when we do a store demonstration, we use cream cheese, you know, or some yogurt or we do a pita chip, but you learn along the way. And so, you know, the conclusion of this part of our story is that I was able to get into about 25, 30 stores. We developed a little bit of a following for being very innovative. Um, and eventually Whole Foods in New York city had heard about what we were doing. It got written up, written up in the wall street journal. And, um, we got into Whole Foods. And once we got into Whole Foods, you keep doing the same thing. Um, and then really the big break that we got was um, the head of the condiments and global section. And she's really a tremendous supporter of us and really has believed in me throughout the whole, whole way. She said to me, um, you know, hey, if I wanted to take you national, would you be ready? I was like, what? You know, we're funding this business from savings and things, you know, and selling. So to go to your question on what's it like, I mean, this is straight bootstrap. You know, this is not someone gave me a big check. You know, sure, I had asked my, you know, my parents, you know, my immediate family and my savings. I emptied my 401k and savings in there. But, you know, it's not enough. And um, we were able to make it work with Whole Foods and eventually became a national brand. And Amazing. we're selling, we're now we're, we're selling food, you know, we're selling this first product, the Zatar condiment, you know, we went from like 40 independent and Whole Foods New York City stores to over 400, you know, in less than 12 months. And then Whole Foods named uh, Middle Eastern flavors and, and Zata a trend for 2018 and beyond. And it's a tremendous exposure, tremendous validation for what we were doing. 
And it was really our big break, you know, how we burst onto the scene. And I believe that's how we first connected, you know, people, you know, so, so that happens. Then we also get on the podcast, um, NPR's How I Built This with Guy Raz, very famous business podcast. Yeah. So between Whole Foods and then getting on this podcast, and by the way, Guy Raz loves Zappa. Um, it's a fact. Like, uh, you get this outpouring. I mean, it almost makes you cry. I mean, I cried so much. I mean, we first connected too. I mean, you are connecting with people who are like you, either, uh, you know, Arab who are born here or immigrants from here, a positive representation. You, they see you, they see themselves in you and your culture being represented. My God, the emails you get. One in particular, once we got into Whole Foods and the guy Rod thing said, this guy says, I'm Lebanese. I remember it, you know, I'm Lebanese American, um, living, you know, in the Midwest. And I was driving, listening to this. I had to pull over my car because <laughs> I couldn't believe someone was speaking about Zatar and Lebanon like this on a podcast. And I just wanted to reach out to you. I'm a fan. Thank you so much. Wow. And so you're like, you think to yourself, like, have you really done something so special? And you second doubt yourself, like, what are you doing? But then you realize that you're just like, you know, everyone else who had an opportunity, you know, 10 hands, 10 fingers, a brain that's working, parents that luckily loved you and grew up in a loving home, and you can do anything and you can inspire other people. So that was the big break that we got. Um, it was Whole Foods and the NPR podcast at the same time. But all of this was happening when Zatar in general started trending in the food media. So it's this perfect storm of this modern Mediterranean brand, authentic founders moving together. People ask me this question, you know, and Guy Raz asks it too, and he says, you know, luck or hard work? In the beginning, I thought it was hard work. Once you go down this road long enough that you realize that it's, it's luck and timing is the majority of it. How was that for you, like operationally, to be able to keep up with the standards of a national company like Whole Foods? We import ourselves now. You know, we work with local farms, um, fair trade farms to source, you know, Zatar directly, as well as working with other countries. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you, we are importing tons of Zatar, like the fresh leaves, every year. So, I mean, that's a project on itself to make sure you have a supply chain. Um, I just figured it out. You know, I use my finance background, you know, I use my education, you know, I was lucky to have, um, you know, a cousin who's, who's with us, his name is Tony, who's, you know, our CFO um, and some other people on our board of advisors, even at the early days who helped me plan, you know, it's not just me and you figure it out. Um, and so once we got into Whole Foods, within the food business, when you get to that level, you have two choices to make. You can't make them in a kitchen anymore. You have to go to a large manufacturer called the co-packer, um, or you have to build out your own infrastructure. We didn't have the money to build out our own infrastructure. And to be honest, when we can talk about this, I knew I wanted to sell more than just Zata, and I wanted to make ZTZ bigger than just Zata. So I knew I didn't want to invest the capital uh, in equipment. So we began hunting across the United States for manufacturers. And as simple as, that, as, as our product is, it's very tricky. It's a very tricky product to make. It's not easy. We've had people try to copy us and they have failed epically, um, which I enjoy. Um, <laughs> but, 
but um, it was difficult. But fortunately, um, you know, through our network of advisors and consultants we had hired and my own experience manufacturing, doing it ourselves was a tremendous advantage because now I'm having these conversations with these large manufacturers about food science and safety and operations. And so we began looking um, for, for these producers and running tests with them. You run the test, you see how the products are, and you eventually pick somebody. And so luckily we're able to work uh, with the several different partners for all of our product lines now. Uh, but the process is the same. You know, you have to vet them, you have to have the understanding, minimum, all of that thing, the economics, the unit economics of that, the pricing, your margin versus markup. So all of these things go into it. But luckily we took it step by step. And I think one of the best things, uh, and for anybody who's listening, who's thinking of a business, we at this time, right, let's remember, we only had one product in one flavor in one size. This was a tremendous advantage, even though we didn't grow as fast as I would have liked to or as some other food brands. It, abled, it enabled me to keep my costs low as well as really understand manufacturing and distribution and how to work with these distributors that can eat up a small business. So I was fortunate enough to have done that. That's amazing. Uh, and now, you know, the brand is growing and uh, 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 that one product is having great sure. success, great media um, uh, reaction and all that. Uh, you growing Zesty Z to not only Zatar, but having like a wholesome brand uh, that contains more than uh, one line of product. Uh, what inspired you to move in that direction versus specializing in Zata, for example? Uh, well, I'm, I'd like to tell you, I'm very proud that I'm somewhat known as the Zata guy, you know, in New York, as well as in the, as well as in the food community. So Zata is not going anywhere. And if you ask my mother, She's always like, you know, Zata was our first product, so don't you dare give up on it. And yeah. we won't. And it's a joke. You know, we won't. We never will. But I had the realization after developing Zesty and getting into Whole Foods for so two years worth of work and understanding what makes a successful food business and CPG, consumer packaged goods, right when we got onto the shelf at Whole Foods, I quickly realized that they call this the velocity of sales. How fast is your product turning in the store? Condiments as a whole, whether it's mayonnaise, ketchup, or our Zatar condiments, is a slower category. Mm -hmm. So brands there usually have four, five, six different types of products because it is more of a quantity game mm -hmm. than you know, sale of that individual thing. That's how you make up the sales and you make up your margins to run your business. Well, I knew that after Zata, and then we developed this, a spicy Zata too. Again, the first one. Um, it actually, if you talk to my Aleppo friends, like from Aleppo, they'll tell you that there's, they'll tell you that there's spicy Zata there. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, for all intents and purposes, Zata sold, it was kind of, a, you know, an innovative product. So we launched these two products and I quickly realized then I said, this is not going to take it. Um, and I want Zesty Z to be bigger. And so I spoke with people, our advisor and our board, what other categories should I look uh, to create some products? 
And the highest velocity products are uh, bars, like protein bars, snacks, and beverages. I knew at the time I didn't want to touch refrigerated or frozen because those require higher transportation costs and have low shelf life. I wasn't going to make a coffee. I wasn't going to make a bar. At the time, everything is saturated. So I said snacks. And so I knew I wanted to do snacks. And then I said, what is zesty? That's where we came up with the idea of Mediterranean flavor lovers. You know, people who love these flavors, how can you bring this to them in an approachable and convenient way? I looked at folks like us, you know, um, younger generation, but still want those flavors, but they call it better for you products, clean products. I looked at affluent shoppers, like the Whole Foods shoppers who have traveled, uh, who have traveled, who read Bon Appetit, um, who eat out, who have the income to eat out. And I looked at millennials as well, similar to that category, young professionals. I said, so children of immigrants, uh, affluent shoppers and millennials all have traveled in a more connected world, probably love Mediterranean flavors. More research was coming out at the time from Frito-Lays. There's a Frito-Lay snack index and other publications that talks about a shift in food and that flavor would be the future. And so I said to myself, if we focus on this audience, wouldn't it be amazing to create this modern Mediterranean brand that encompasses Middle Eastern flavors as well as Mediterranean flavors as well and create products that are approachable but different um, and healthy? And so it becomes from one product, this little seed of Zata, to now this brand that represents those flavors, emotions, and colors from the region. So now I had this together and also embracing our innovative um, spirit, because that's what Zesty really is too, very innovative. I said, snacks, snacks. What is a good snack, you know, that we can add Mediterranean flavors to, right? Pita chips, everyone tells you, but I was like, mm, no. And then it hit me. I was walking the aisles of Whole Foods and then I was like, boom, popcorn. I was like, popcorn absorbs flavor very well. Mm -hmm. um, it hasn't seen really innovation in flavor in 10, 15 years since like Skinny Pop. Mm -hmm. uh, and why is there so much damn cheddar? Like sea salt and sweet flavors. Like people put seasoning at home. We, my mother used to put zaatar, actual zaatar on popcorn at home. So I said, what if I created a line of Mediterranean popcorn that was just as healthy, was the same price point, but totally had better packaging and better flavors? Okay, great. Boom. There's the idea. So then how do you create a Zatar popcorn? Okay, so you go home and you dump Zatar on fresh popcorn, but that's not going to work, right? It's not going to work. Um, because anybody who's made pita chips at home, you know, the Zatar falls off. Right. It doesn't stick. And actually creating a seasoning is very difficult. You know, you have to use flavor, chemists, and things. So I embarked on a project all of 2019 um, to create a line of Mediterranean popcorn that was just as healthy as the other brands, had much better packaging, and had this you know, Mediterranean flavor. And so we came up with feta cheese instead of cheddar cheese. We had savory herbs, or zata, instead of sea salt. And then we did spicy chilies instead of a sweet flavor. And that was what we innovated all last year and launched it at the beginning uh, January of 2020. That's awesome. You know, what I like about this the most is, although you went on like a, you know, very, you know, hardcore entrepreneurial journey where you're learning as you go, there was a lot of 
you know, methodical thinking. So, so what would be your advice to an entrepreneur that's starting today? So I think there's three things you have to look at when you're starting a business. Um, I think successful businesses are built three ways. You either do something innovative, one, totally innovative. You be the middleman or take out the middleman. And I think that's something that, you know, uh, as Arabs, we're usually good at, you know, trading for centuries, right? Millennials, right? So that kind of middleman or take out the middleman, if you think of like a Costco or something like that. Um, and the other version is just um, taking existing products or service and making it better. So a, a remix of it. So I think looking at businesses like that, um, and the last example of that remix, think of like MySpace um, and Burst Facebook, you know, um, so things like that. Um, so I think you have to look at business those three ways. <clears throat> the next is you really have to uh, have people around you that are going to challenge you as well as help you stay organized. Maybe we're in, as a culture, we're not as organized as most, but I have to thank my mother for that. I mean, you must stay organized and disciplined because it removes, the, it removes decision fatigue, which can block your creative juices. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the other thing too. Mm -hmm. And then you have to be relentless. You have to be no, no mercy. You cannot, you cannot. And you have to have this level of mental fortitude um, to accept the sacrifice you're about to make. Mm -hmm. So you, you, you really have to have no mercy and be, pre be prepared to sacrifice. Mm -hmm. If you're not ready to do that, go at all costs, then don't do it. Because the you know, half in, half out, never gonna work, never gonna work. And you know, the last thing is you know, think outside the box. Don't get boxed in by our culture or by your work or by norms or anything. Think outside the box. Have this why not mentality. Like do not accept what people tell you or what you think your future should be. You have 10 hands, 10 fingers. I hope you grew up in a home that loved you and your parents you know, allowed you to, to take risks and think. But you are your own human being. Think why not. Please, I tell everybody that I mentor, I said, ask yourself, stay curious. Ask why not, uh, Alex. Uh, you know the the story is just amazing, and uh, we are really happy. Uh, it's really inspiring, uh, and and uh, we are so happy that uh, uh, that there's a Lebanese and Arab that uh, that was able to uh, uh, scale a cultural. Um, uh, product and and that has a lot of emotional connection uh, with the community and make it a national brand with a, with a great uh, uh, labeling, uh, great branding, and a great approach to it. And and of course, innovating in a space that um, that needs that uh, Lebanese and Arabic twist. Yeah, uh, it's really good. Uh, thank you so much, Alex. And and uh, yeah, Sharafna, and you know, thank you to, to both of you uh, for helping tell these stories. You know, I think this in its own is an entrepreneur entrepreneurial journey, and I thank Lipton for sponsoring this because you telling these stories will inspire others. And I think as a collective group that shares the culture uh, across the board, we need more positive stories and role models out there. So shukran kiir. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Please visit our website to vote for your favorite story. And don't forget to follow us on social media and subscribe to our podcast. Mm -hmm.